You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Florida is rebuilding after Hurricane Ian, a Thailand daycare was attacked by an ex-police officer, and a suspect was identified in the Kennywood Park shooting. Here's your national news recap for the week of October 2nd. Search and rescue operations remain underway in southwest Florida more than a week after Hurricane Ian made landfall. Crews with Miami Police and Miami Fire Rescue are still across the state along with other local first responders looking for survivors in areas left in ruins. The search for those teams is tedious. There are debris fields, cars, homes, and other wreckage to look through, and they are up against a lot of challenges in finding survivors, especially time. Senator Ted Cruz wants the head of Homeland Security impeached. The Texas Republicans sent a letter to Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas claiming the surge of illegal immigrants constitutes a gross dereliction of duty. The latest numbers from federal officials show that since President Biden has taken office, there have been over 4.4 million illegal crossings. On top of the human death toll, Cruz claims the head of DHS is enabling a drug smuggling enterprise by Mexican cartels. Vice President Harris has repeatedly denied claims of a crisis at the southern border. President Biden is again expressing his disappointment about a pending cut in oil production. Speaking to reporters outside the White House, Biden said there are alternatives to counter what OPEC has done. However, he didn't share any details about what they may be. OPEC decided to cut production by 2 million barrels a day. Federal and state leaders are working together to tackle the fentanyl crisis hitting home. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says the numbers of deadly overdoses from fentanyl continue to rise. It's poisoning our community. It's poisoning our children for the future. McCarthy plans to combat the opioid epidemic by securing the southern border, making fentanyl a Schedule One drug, and increasing staffing at agencies that enforce drug laws. He added that the U.S. needs to stop the chemicals from China from getting into the hands of drug cartels who bring the pills across the border. The CDC reports over 150 people die every day from fentanyl overdoses. Parents in Uvalde, Texas, are voicing outrage after a former DPS trooper under investigation for her actions during the shooting at Robb Elementary was hired as a school district police officer. A protest was held at Uvalde CISD Thursday morning against the hiring of Crimson Elizondo. CNN reports Elizondo was recognized as one of the first troopers to respond to the shooting that failed to confront the gunman. According to KSAT-TV, Elizondo was hired by the school district after she left the Department of Public Safety over the summer. Those convicted of simple possession of marijuana are being pardoned by President Biden. No one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana. 
and criminal records for marijuana possession have led to needless barriers to employment, to housing, and educational opportunities, Biden said. The president's actions applies to everybody who has a conviction on that charge at the federal level. Biden wants governors to take the same action at the state level. The president is also asking administration officials, including the attorney general, to review how marijuana is classified under federal law. An Ohio pastor is being charged for his alleged role in the unrest at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Court documents filed in the U.S. District Court, District of Columbia, show William Dunphy was arrested Wednesday. Dunphy is facing several charges, including civil disorder, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building. A federal appeals court is ruling that an immigration program called DACA was illegally implemented by the Obama administration. That's putting recipients like Edlissa Argentine in limbo. I'm a mom now, and if I get deported, what's going to happen to my baby girl, she said. She was brought to Texas as a child and has been shielded from deportation under the DACA program. This week's ruling keeps those protections in place, but it banned the government from processing new applicants. It also sent the case back to the lower court to decide the legality of the new rule, which is meant to keep the program in place for the long term. Masterpiece Cake Shop owner Jack Phillips is back in court to appeal a decision from last year that punished him for refusing a transgender customer. Phillips says his fight is not about him, but for the rights of all Americans. We serve everybody that comes into our shop, but as we tried to point out, we can't create every message that people ask us to create, Phillips said. But that argument didn't hold up in his latest lawsuit, decided in Colorado last year, that the baker is currently appealing. The court sided with Autumn Scardina, who sued Phillips for turning down her request to make a pink and blue birthday cake that she said would represent her transition from male to female. In 2017, one case against him made it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. The nation's highest court ruled in his favor after he refused to make a wedding cake in 2012 for a same-sex couple based on his religious beliefs. An appeals court will consider each side's argument, and it's unclear when a decision could come down. The forensic psychologist testifying for the state in the Nicholas Cruz sentencing trial is refuting the defense's claim that he suffers from fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Dr. Robert Denny says Cruz's FASD isn't the reason he went on a shooting rampage in Parkland, Florida. Dr. Denny said FASD does not explain the murders of Meadow, Joaquin, or Jamie. He says Cruz suffers from antisocial and borderline personality disorders characterized by unstable relationships, impulsivity, and trouble controlling anger. Cruz pleaded guilty to 17 counts of first-degree murder and 17 counts of attempted murder. The jury will decide if he should be executed or sentenced to life without parole. A teen boy is behind bars on suspicion of making social media threats to a high school in Ventura. Police say he threatened students and staff at Foothill Technology High School on Tuesday. The 14-year-old allegedly made the concerning post via Instagram. Police in the Ventura Unified School District say the boy's parents cooperated with their investigation. Officers also confiscated several weapons. He's facing the charge of making criminal threats. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. This is Connor Brown with the International News Report. All sources from the BBC 
An ex-policeman has killed at least 37 people, most of them children, in a gun and knife attack at a child care center in northeast Thailand. Police say he then killed himself and his family after a manhunt following the attack in Nang Bua Lampu province. Children and adults are among the casualties at the nursery. Police say the attacker mostly stabbed his victims before fleeing the scene. The former officer, aged 34, was sacked in June for drug use, police said. It is not clear if there was a motive for the attack. At least 22 children were among the dead in the mass killing in the town of Uthai Sawan. Some victims aged as young as two were attacked as they slept. A dozen people who were injured have been taken to the Nangbua Lampu District Hospital. Police named the attacker as Panyong Kamrab, a local man who had been a police lieutenant colonel before he was suspended for drug use in January and then dismissed in June. He is understood to appear in court on Thursday on charges related to the use and possible sale of methamphetamine. A verdict was scheduled to be delivered on Friday. Our second story of the day focuses on the Iranian protests as schoolgirls in Iran have been waving their headscarves in the air, chanting against clerical authorities in an unprecedented show of support for the protests engulfing the country. Videos verified by the BBC showed demonstrations inside schoolyards and on the streets of several cities. They echoed the wider unrest sparked by the death last month of a woman who was detained for breaking the hijab law. In Karaj, girls reportedly forced an education official out of their school. Footage posted on social media on Monday showed them shouting, shame on you, and throwing what appear to be empty water bottles at the man until he retreats through a gate. In another video from Karaj, which is just to the west of the capital, Tehran, students are heard shouting, if we don't unite, they will kill us one by one. In the southern city of Shiraz on Monday, dozens of schoolgirls blocked traffic on the main road while waving their headscarves in the air and shouting, Death to the Dictator, a reference to the Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, who has the final say on all state matters. For our final story of the day, North Korea fired another two ballistic missiles on Thursday, the sixth such banned launch in less than two weeks. Pyongyang on Wednesday described its recent blitz as just counteraction measures to joint U.S. and South Korean military drills. On Tuesday, Pyongyang fired a missile over Japan, prompting the U.S. to call an emergency U.N. Security Council meeting. At the meeting, the U.S. accused Russia and China of protecting the North from stronger sanctions. By opposing further sanctions, Moscow and Beijing have given Pyongyang blanket protection, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. said. The Chinese and Russian representatives said increased dialogue was better than punishment. For the past two months, the U.S., South Korea, and Japan have been holding a series of combined exercises as they practice how to defeat and deter a North Korean attack. These drills have antagonized North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, who sees them as proof as his enemies are preparing for war. In its statement, the North accused the U.S. of escalating the military tensions on the Korean peninsula. On Wednesday, U.S., Japan, and South Korea carried out further drills, which they said were a response to Tuesday's launch. The U.S. said there was no equivalency between a banned missile, test fire, and security drills. The U.S. also redeployed its aircraft carrier, the USS Ronald Reagan, near the Korean Peninsula. Satellite imagery shows that the North has been restoring tunnels at the nuclear testing site, which they had claimed to destroyed in 2018 during a short-lived diplomatic rapprochement with the U.S. under President Trump. Last month, North Korea also revised its nuclear laws with leader Kim Jong-un declaring his country an irreversible nuclear power. With everything in place, Kim appears to be waiting for a politically opportune moment to carry out its seventh nuclear test. Analysts believe a test is most likely to happen during the window of the three weeks between the Communist Party Congress in China later this month 
in the U.S. midterm elections in early November. And that was Connor Brown with your international news report. This is the local news, and I am Carly Murray. Allegheny County police are expected to announce the arrest of someone in the shooting at Kennywood Park. The shooting on Saturday, September 24th, left three people wounded. The shooting during the park's Phantom Fall Fest led to security changes. There is a press conference on Thursday. An 18-year-old man was shot at a SEPTA station between 15th and Market Streets in Center City, Philadelphia on Thursday. The victim was with a group of people and alerted police after he was shot. He was taken to the hospital in stable condition and no arrests have been made. Police have released surveillance footage of a suspect wanted in connection with an alleged sexual assault along the 2500 block of South 3rd Street last month. The suspect is accused of entering a 15-year-old girl's home, going through her things, and then sexually assaulting her. Anyone who recognizes the man is urged to contact police. Two employees of a Dutchess County facility for people with developmental disabilities and behavioral disorders are under arrest after a teen resident was struck and killed by a pickup. Two Poughkeepsie residents are charged with endangering the welfare of an incompetent person and falsifying business records. State police say the 14-year-old victim was killed while walking on State Route 9 in Clermont in Columbia County, miles from Devereaux Advanced Behavioral Health in Red Hook, on September 23rd. Authorities say that the two men who were accused provided false statements to investigators that the victim was safe after the tragedy. Some New York City council members are trying to get asylum seekers housed in hotels instead of tents. Councilwoman Diana Alaya, along with the Immigration Committee, are proposing the mayor use 10 vacant hotels in Manhattan instead of tents. Mayor Eric Adams had planned to put hundreds of migrants in a tent at Randall's Island. Council members say there's 15,000 available hotel rooms across the city. Mayor Adams says he will look at the council's plan. There has been a surge of migrants being bused to the city from border states, including Texas. A homeless man was arrested and charged with murder for allegedly stabbing a Brooklyn father to death last week on an L train. Police say Alvin Charles knifed Tommy Bailey in the neck just before 9 p.m. last Friday on an L train near Brooklyn's Atlantic Avenue stop. They had gotten into an argument, according to authorities, but it is unclear why. Bailey, who was 43 years old, was a steam fitter and was believed to have been working late. He leaves behind a son and a daughter. Two men from Georgia are pleading guilty to gun trafficking in connection to last spring's Yonkers bodega shooting that left a detective injured. According to the Journal News, Xavier Sims and Bryce Martin were both in court Wednesday and face up to 10 years behind bars, although they could get less than that due to their plea agreements. Sims and Martin, along with Bryant Jackson, had come to Yonkers to sell firearms in April when they were confronted by FBI agents carrying an illegal gun sting at a bodega on Elm Street. Jackson shot Westchester County Safe Streets Task Force member Brian Menton, seriously injuring him a week before he was set to retire. An FBI agent then returned fire, killing Jackson. New York City is bringing community organizations into schools through a new program aimed at building connections between students and their community. Schools Chancellor David Banks says the city is putting $9 million toward Project Pivot, which will operate in 138 schools. Mayor Adams says the schools were picked based on a combination of safety factors, academics, and attendance. The organizations chosen specialize in violence prevention, career readiness, and enrichment programs. President Biden was in New York and New Jersey on Thursday. Governor Kathy Hochul joined the president in Poughkeepsie to highlight a big investment being made by IBM. 
The company says it will make a $20 billion investment in the Hudson Valley region over the next decade. President Biden also made fundraiser appearances in New York City and in Red Bank in New Jersey. I am Carly Murray, and that was the local news. I'm Dante DiValerio with your Rowan News. Rowan undergraduate education majors were applauded at the first ever teacher induction and pinning ceremony presented by the College of Education. During the event, led by Dean Catan Jean-Marie, future teachers who have successfully reached the midpoint of their studies were welcomed into the teaching profession. Each aspiring teacher proceeded across the stage to receive a special College of Education pin from Jean-Marie. After pinning themselves, the students in unison recited an affirmation dedicating themselves to the teaching profession. Currently, more than 1,650 students are pursuing their undergraduate degrees in Rowan's College of Education. The college, Rowan's oldest, boasts more than 41,000 alumni. Rowan University and Ireland's Southeast Technological University have signed a student exchange agreement establishing an internal graduate student exchange program and research collaboration opportunities between the universities. The School of Translational Biomedical Engineering and Sciences at Rowan, along with the Pharmaceutical, Molecular, and Biotechnology Research Center at Waterford Institute of Technology, are leading the initiative to promote linkages in the areas of biomaterials, pharmaceuticals, and biotechnology, and to enrich the understanding of the culture of the two countries. The agreement is among several facilitated by Choose New Jersey, New Jersey's leading nonprofit economic development organization. The organization today announced the official opening of an office in Ireland, making New Jersey the first U.S. state with an economic development office in Ireland. The office will be led by Steve Lennox, who was named managing director. The office will strengthen the positive and mutually beneficial economic and commercial ties that exist between New Jersey and Ireland and promote New Jersey to Irish companies seeking to invest in the United States. I'm Dante DiValerio. This has been your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. This is Danny Ryan with your news from around the professional sports world. Starting in the MLB, Aaron Judge has officially done it. After tying Roger Maris's AL record just last week, Aaron Judge has officially broken the American League single-season record, hitting his 62nd home run of the 2022 season Tuesday night against the Texas Rangers. Judge, who would finish the season at exactly 62 home runs, sets not only a new American League record, but a new Yankees record as well. The AL MVP favorite will look to lead the New York Yankees to their first championship appearance and possibly victory since 2009 when they took down the Philadelphia Phillies. Speaking of championships, let's take a look at all 12 teams that have made the 2022 MLB postseason. Starting off, let's take a look at the wildcard matchups set to unfold this weekend. Starting in the AL, the 90-72 Seattle Mariners ended their 20-year playoff drought, clinching the second wildcard spot and will take on the 92-70 Toronto Blue Jays. In Game 1, the Blue Jays will call on 24-year-old ace Alec Manoa, who ended the regular season with a 2.24 ERA. Seattle plans to toss deadline acquisition from Cincinnati in Game 1, Luis Castillo, as the Mariners look to upset the favored Blue Jays' juggernaut offense. Castillo finished the year with a 2.99 ERA, holding a 3.17 ERA since joining the Mariners. 
Checking on the second wildcard matchup, the Tampa Bay Rays finished the season at 86-76, and 76, set to face off against the 92-70 and 70 Cleveland Guardians. The surging hot Guardians are favored in this series, but don't be surprised to see the Tampa Bay Rays upset the newly branded Guardians due to Tampa's playoff experience. Your Game 1 pitching matchup will be a Shane-on-Shane crime, as Shane Bieber and his 2.88 regular season ERA will take the mound for Cleveland, and Shane McClanahan, along with his 2.54 ERA, will take the mound for the Tampa Bay Rays. In the second round, the Yankees and Aaron Judge will face off against the winner of the Mariners and Blue Jays series. Houston, on the other hand, will take on the winner of the Guardians and Rays series. Taking a look at the National League, after 11 years, the Philadelphia Phillies are back in the playoffs. After clinching the third wildcard spot, the Phillies are ready to take on the Cardinals. In Game 1, the Fightin' Phillies will throw ace Zach Wheeler and his 2.82 ERA on the season, as the Cardinals will send out deadline acquisition Jose Quintana, who finished with a 2.93 regular season ERA, a huge turnaround ever since joining the Redbirds from Pittsburgh. And for our final first-round matchup, it's a battle between the first and second wildcard spot, New York Mets versus San Diego Padres. New York, who looks to save Jacob deGrom for the next round, will toss Max Scherzer and his 2.23 ERA in Game 1 as he prepares to face off against Hugh Darvish and his 3.10 ERA for San Diego. The winner of the Phillies vs. Cardinals series will take on the Atlanta Braves in the second round, while the Dodgers will face the winner of New York vs. San Diego. And with the playoff picture set, make sure to prepare for a month full of the absolute unexpected in Major League Baseball. That will just about do it for myself here on the Rowan Report. Once again, this has been Danny Ryan with your news from around the professional sports world. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Even with worries on inflation, most Americans are likely to cut costs on food rather than cancel Amazon Prime or Netflix. A recent report from the National Research Group says two-thirds of customers said they need to decrease their spending due to inflation. However, only a quarter would cancel subscriptions in the coming months. Most said they would rather cut back on groceries, dining out, and clothing. Wall Street is closing with stocks lower as investors wait on the release of the U.S. jobs report Friday. The report will show how the labor market did last month. It'll also give the Federal Reserve another piece of information about its rate hike campaign. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 346 points to the 29 to 926, the S&P 500 dropped 38 points to 37 to 44, and the Nasdaq fell 75 points to 11 to 73. The IRS says it does not send you texts requesting your information. As Lucinda Kay explains, do not click. The IRS is tracking hundreds of thousands of text scams. It's called smishing. If you cast a wide enough net, you may catch a few fish, so to speak, but even then, that's too many fish, too many. Rafael Tolino is with the IRS. He says these IRS-themed smishings have increased exponentially in the past few weeks. You don't have to give away your information just because somebody asks you for it. So you want to keep those things in mind. In the latest scam, texts want you to click a link where phishing websites collect your info or might send malicious code onto your phone. These messages are red flags. Do not click. I'm Lucinda Kay. 
An Amazon labor union in New York City says 50 employees have been suspended for refusing to work in a smoky warehouse after a fire. The unrecognized union for the Staten Island Amazon facility says the workers were suspended after they staged a walkout over unsafe conditions. About 100 workers staged a march through the warehouse Monday night after a trash compactor caught fire and about 50 were suspended. The union calls it clear retaliation. An Amazon spokesman said, while the company respects its workers' rights to protest, it wasn't appropriate for them to march through the warehouse. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Cologne. Angelina Jolie is claiming she was physically and emotionally abused by ex-husband Brad Pitt. The actress, in a battle over a French winery they once owned, details the abuse in a legal filing. The New York Times reports Jolie claims it was abusive to her and their children during a 2016 plane ride, which led to the breakup of their marriage. Her filing also says during the plane trip, Pitt choked one of the children and struck another in the face. However, a spokesperson for Pitt says the latest allegations by ex-wife Angelina Jolie are completely untrue. The two actors are fighting over a French winery they own together. Last year, Jolie sold her half, and Pitt filed suit, claiming they had an agreement that neither would sell without the other's consent. On Tuesday, Jolie filed a countersuit and has revived claims from 2016 of physical abuse by Pitt against her and their children on board a private plane. Pitt's representative is refuting the allegations and says Jolie's story continues to evolve each time she tells it. Actor Alec Baldwin is reaching a settlement with the estate of the cinematographer killed on the set of Rust. Helena Hutchins was shot and killed when Baldwin discharged a prop gun after he was informed that it was cold. Hutchins' husband, Matthew, announced the settlement was reached in a wrongful death case as part of that settlement, the case being dismissed. Matthew says he'll now serve as executive producer on Rust, and filming will resume in January with all the original principal players on board. He said everyone believes Helena's death was a terrible accident and is grateful they all have come together to honor his wife's final work. Britney Spears' mom is issuing a public apology to her daughter. This comes after the toxic singer shared a long post to Instagram saying that a genuine apology would give her closure in the ongoing family feud. Lynn took the comments to say that she's been sorry for years and asked her daughter to please unblock her so they could have a conversation in person. Brittany has previously blamed her mother for being complicit in her conservatorship, which was terminated last year. A Native American activist is being remembered following her death. Sheen Lightfeather passed away on Wednesday at her home in Martin County, California, at the age of 75. It came just weeks after she received an apology from the Academy Awards for how she was treated nearly 50 years ago. Littlefeather made headlines in 1973 for refusing an Oscar on behalf of Marlon Brando. The actor was protesting how Native Americans were treated by Hollywood. As Breast Cancer Awareness Month gets underway, longtime news anchor Katie Couric was back on the Today Show to talk about her own diagnosis. She went into more details about her diagnosis in an essay on her website and noted that she lost her first husband and her sister from cancer. Couric encouraged women to get their annual mammogram to find out if they need additional screening. Rachel Ray is taking her cooking show to Ukraine. The daytime cooking show host is planning to head to Ukraine to tape shows there while the country continues to take fire from Russia. In an interview, Ray said they plan on going to an orphanage that doubles as a church and school and build out their kitchens while making the children meals. I'm Karina Cologne, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. 
You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.